0: The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com.
1: Tonight on an all-new Monsterland Poisonous holes, hairy drones, and little blue balls. Sure, that could describe our most recent monsterland after-party. But also, the final episode of Expedition Bigfoot will break it down. Plus, Son of Hollywood royalty and Maddie's bromance stops by to break down his blockbuster. And, was Alan Parsons correct? Is there really an eye in the sky looking at you? Or was Alan Parsons just projecting? No! See, because it's Alan
0: Parsons Project, and it's
1: projecting. All right, let's go!
2: Welcome to a wicked mystery. A paranormal perfect storm known simply as Monsterland. The Monsterland podcast is recorded live in an undisclosed location somewhere in the heart of high strangeness, just outside of Monsterland, Massachusetts. And now, here are your hosts, from Travel Channel's Expedition Bigfoot, author-researcher Ronnie LeBlanc, and from History's The Curse of Oak Island Drilling Down, actor-host Maddie Blake.
1: Greetings, monsters. We have a full house, full studio tonight. We are very excited. Of course, my partner, Ronnie LeBlanc. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) We have... Producer Carrie, back in the studio. Carrie?
3: It's good to be back.
1: With her Madonna arms. Oh, God. (laughs) Producer Dave, pressing all the right buttons. Hello,
0: hello. what up, boys?
1: And we also have a special guest, intern Matt. Hello, Matt. Thank
0: you you for
1: having me. We're excited to have you. You were told not to speak. (laughs) You're fired. (laughs) We only have (laughs) so many microphones. (laughs) Uh, Producer Matt is here um, learning, and there couldn't be a worse decision. Than to have a student watch me and Ronnie. Yeah, this is true. Produce content. Yeah, because that's like saying, you know, I'm going to learn to drive a truck, and it's like, well, I could go to Andover Tractor Trailer School, or I could watch this baby. I could watch a one year old baby drive a eighteen wheeler. How dare you, David? How dare you uh, cleverly reference uh, my cold open Which was by your joke. good producing skills? Yes, my friends. Today we <laughs> shall delve into the world. This song's fantastic. Of remote. Is it? I love it. Oh All my right, God. All right, hold on. Let me. Come on now.
0: <laughs> I'd rather have Therapy.
1: Listen canal to that. Therapy.
3: It's
1: like musical Valium. Do, you- mm.
3: Do you have a fork?
0: The jab into your
1: By the that way,
4: awesome. yes. If you're a,
1: a <laughs> singer songwriter, you got to have
0: some balls to call your band Project. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point, right? <laughs> what does that mean? Like we're just we're still working on it. It's a project. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, a project. project. You have a band. I have a project. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. right, right. <laughs> That's why Doctor yeah. Evil co opted it in one of the Austin Powers movies. Alan Parsons. The Alan uh, Parsons. Project.
1: Wasn't he key in some of the Beatles records? I,
0: Producer. I remember hearing that. We'll have to ask Chachi. All Mm. right.
1: Uh, By the way, I'm going to Chachi's live event. Sweet. This Beatles uh, night. But we we have a lot of business to attend to, guys, Mm. so let's get right to it. And we have a full house. I tend to get a little overstimulated, but I'm going to stay focused today because Ronnie (laughs) has a hard out.
4: There's no chance he'll be focused.
1: We are, as we record this, the day after the season one finale of Expedition Bigfoot, mm. we're going to break that down because I don't know if you're aware of this, uh, Carrie. We have one of the stars of Expedition Bigfoot right here every what? week. Hi, and his name is Ronnie Who? LeBlanc. What? Hello.
4: Yeah. <gasps> Can yeah. I have your autograph?
1: No. <laughs> Intern Matt suddenly looks interested. <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> no, I'm is sorry. He
4: looks look so much smaller in real life. Yes, yeah, <laughs> sir.
0: No autographs, Carrie, but if you're nice, Ronnie will stare at you with those deep blue eyes as he does on the program.
1: Well, nice segue because <laughs> we'll be talking about staring uh, men who stare at goats in uh, a yes. sense because we're going to talk. This episode's going to be dedicated to remote viewing, i.e. that's why we had the I wanted, Parsons
4: Project. I wanted to talk about that. I don't know if I want to do the MK Ultra thing. Oh, Why? <clears throat> Too freaky? It's kind of freaky. Really? As I started, I mean, I knew about, you know. Right. You But as I started digging a little bit more.
1: You didn't like what you found. It's kind of freaky.
4: Well, we're going to talk about it. And um, we don't want to talk about the CIA. Don't mention this. On this, (laughs) but. Carrie, just take a sip of my water, please. (laughs) I'm scared to drink the water. I'm a little afraid to drink your water, too.
1: Well, um We're going to talk about remote viewing and ESP and those type of things. We're going to do a little bit of a deep dive. We haven't done this in a while, kind of focused an episode on one particular topic. Right. But we're going to do that. And and a perfect tie-in is, of course, my friend Tony Arkin.
4: Amazing.
1: A movie called Sender. And this movie, Sender, is about, to a large extent, remote viewing. And it's kind of a dark fantasy, if you will, of what can happen when the government starts messing with this Mm. stuff. Cool. Yeah. I think it's a perfect segue because we'll talk about remote viewing ESP and then we'll talk to Tony about his film. And uh, by the way, full disclosure, uh, you might recognize someone in the film center when you see it.
3: <laughs>
4: oh, that's right. You're in it, right? I'm in it. Yes.
1: Yes. I have a small but memorable <gasps> role.
3: Two celebrities and one I student. know.
1: This is incredible. Too much. I handle it. And I'm going <laughs> to tell you how, if you're local, well, I mean, I suppose one of our fans in India could fly for the premiere of Sender. At the Somerville Theater, but I don't think that will happen. Right. So, if you are local to the New England area and you want to go to the Boston Sci-Fi Festival, and Matt, you are eligible.
0: I heard Intern Matt is giving rides
1: to this event. He will get Intern Matt will give you a ride. You are eligible to participate in this, Matt. If you want to go to see the premiere of Sender, Tony Arkin will be there. Son of uh, awesome legendary actor, of course, Alan Arkin. Uh, he will be there. I will be there. Some other stars of the film will be there. Some people you recognize. He's got big time people in this movie. Uh, I'll have tickets. I'll have a way you can win tickets during this podcast.
4: Now that's a big event,
1: right? Well, certainly in the sci-fi community, it's probably one of the top most respected sci-fi festivals that's incredible and overall it's a very respected film festival it's grown over the years so yeah. uh i know tony's very excited but it's just a perfect tie-in to the subject matter sure. we're
0: going to
4: talk about absolutely we and will, when is it
0: yeah we'll remind people later but i'll remind people now too it never hurts to repeat february 11th boston sci-fi film festival 9 p.m go to boston ficom for all the info Beautiful. boom it and, and just uh, in the spirit of matt the intern learning um, just learn that your microphone is not plugged in, nor will it be at any point during the show. So <laughs> he keeps, The poor guy keeps leaning over into his mic. Just kind of shout loudly if you have to say. <laughs> thank, okay. thank you. <laughs> He's still talking to He's saying it. thank you. It's not plugged in. It's good practice. I think you should
4: continue to talk into the mic, even though it's yes, yes. not plugged in. It's fun. It. It's fantastic. fantastic.
1: Um, all right, Ronnie, let's get to uh, how we start the show off every week and find out what's happening in the world of paranormal in the Ronnie
0: report. The Ronnie report. <laughs> well,
1: Ronnie, there's no secret what we're going to do today and that is break down the final episode of your show Expedition Bigfoot. So many questions it aired mm. it aired last night as we record this. Cliffhanger you left us with. You find the caves. Right. You send the drone into the caves, which by the way, I'm going to absolutely That thing is sick. By I'm the way. going to tell my peeps at Oak mm. Island about this drone. Yeah, I'll look at the company they've used drone stuff on Oak Island before, but mm-hmm. but not to the extent where the drone is self guiding and can go that far and that deep that I know yep. of. Yeah, um, it would be a
4: perfect uh-huh. perfect fit for course. Problem there. with
1: Oak is that a lot of those, you know, you got water issues. Right, but there are some areas that they could use that to explore. Anyway, mm. um, you like how I cross promote our like shows, that, huh? even though they're on two different networks. Right now, there's a lawyer <laughs> freaking out somewhere <laughs> yeah. in New York City. <laughs> Um, (laughs) Sweating Okay, so Well, first of all Mm. Before we get into the episode There have been more I don't know if you saw this
4: Yeah, the the, uh, photos of I just saw one this morning, I think That Mm -hmm. somebody posted I've got it right here That's That's the one, yeah So,
1: in case Uh, you didn't hear last week's episode You can go back and listen Fans of Expedition Bigfoot Have been seeing Reportedly seeing There it is
4: Over here What's this.
1: Okay, what? so let me explain what's going on for the podcast audience who can't see what we're seeing. Fans of Expedition Bigfoot have been seeing what they think may be actually Bigfoot uh, kind of stalking the team. Oh. The show makes no reference to it. They didn't see it at the time. The producers didn't see it.
4: What What's interesting what? to me when I was watching this, because I'm like, okay, is this one of the camera guys? And it, it's, it's kind of odd how it, <laughs> literally kind of walks right in front of the trees as the as you're kind of angling it. All right, so these fans are seeing these things. So they started yeah. sending us still
1: pictures of, of screen grabs from the episodes going, look there in the background of the trees. That looks like something. And it's right. happened like two or three times. This is the Bryce third Johnson Johnson one. one. So this yep. is the third one. Dr. Mayer posted this on her Twitter. What we're looking at is a video of the show Expedition Bigfoot as it aired last night. But the person... Who was watching? It is filming with their iPhone camera away from the action, in the background of the woods. A large, black, very black. Yeah,
4: it doesn't to my to my <laughs> eyes right now, and by. I'm not shitting anybody. Yeah, no, it does not look like one of our crew.
1: It certainly doesn't.
4: It's <laughs> well, because all, it's 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 wider. It's wide and it's dark. Yeah. So that person would have to be wearing all black, which crew does. Now, I want you to notice something. Uh, this may just be coincidence, no, but look f- at the bent. Um, yeah. Trees. That yeah. gonna, we were we we're noticing a lot of that around the area too. But um But let's <gasps> l- let's think about this. Could you scroll down a
1: little, David, so I can read the tweet? Doctor Mayer, so she's retweeting from this fan. And the fan said, uh, Doctor, we we're watching the finale episode and saw something very big move in the background. No one said anything about it though, so we are stumped. And uh we will link to that tweet from Monsterland. Yeah. I think you already did, actually. I think it's on Monsterland. Yeah, Island, I,
4: th- I may have retweeted it, yeah. At Monsterland
1: Pod. Ronnie, I mean, where there's smoke, there's fire sometimes in these things. And Mm. we know that big fi like to watch, you know, from sometimes high up, according to some researchers. In the trees. And they're always around. So you guys are drawing these things out. You're not antagonizing, but you're provoking them, trying to make connection. It makes sense
4: that if they are there, they were kind of watching you film. It's so close proximity, though, that that... It's kind of weird that I don't, you would think that one of the guys, I don't know. It's definitely somebody. So it's a a person or a Bigfoot. (laughs) Let's just say that. It's either, it it was either someone from, but it,
1: boy, here's the thing. Everybody was wearing, anyone in the crew
4: was kind of wearing like, they had colors. Not jet black. They had a hat on. You know what I mean? Right. That's black.
0: Would it be even common for a member of the crew to be in a shot like that? No, no.
4: Okay. They would not. Very careful about that. You're in our shot. Very careful about that. And
1: it was a small crew, too, right? It wasn't like there was 30 people. No. Boy, I'll tell you, that's compelling. That is compelling. And it's and again, if it happens once, you go, okay. Mm. It's happened three times now. And remember the guy said one of the guys who wow. commented last week on one of these pictures, yeah. it was, I think it was your blue steel picture, said, I've been seeing this all over these episodes,
4: mm. things like
1: this. So, And, I'll the, tell and, you. and
4: at the end is, uh, so this was one of the grabs, but then at the end we had set up the remote uh, camera up in the tree. Right. And so when we left, and we can show that after too, is that we picked up something walking along the, yes. the trail that, Almost mimics this. It looks very. <laughs> As, it <does. laughs> As I'm looking at so this now, so what Ronnie's referencing is at the end of last
1: night's season finale. Bryce, it says you get a spoiler if you haven't seen I'll the see episode. If I have it set up here. Bryce, it says two months later, so it's after Expedition Bigfoot team wraps up their research, and there is more evidence presented. And I won't spoil it because it literally just aired last night. There's some hair evidence,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and there is a piece of video that Bryce got, and it's two months after the expedition when this stuff is analyzed We're and found. Gone. And then it says there's been a hundred more sightings since you guys have done this show. Correct, yep. So the, it begs the question, Cliffhanger, is the team going to go out again based on these new sightings with armed with this new
4: evidence? Now, when, when the algorithm was put together, it came out with four or five location top locations, and we did have another location that was really hot at the time that I Mm. think is going to be Mm. the next spot. If we get that word. So,
1: so I want to ask you a question that I don't even know the answer to, because I've been purposely not asking you in our personal lives uh, off the air because I wanted to do it on the air. Right. All right. So in one of the final episodes, I think it was the penultimate episode, you stumble upon a children's graveyard Mm. In the pitch black, Mm -hmm. deep in the woods, Mm -hmm. after Dr. Mayer heard children laughing.
4: Yeah. Tell me about that. And I I heard that as well, which they didn't include, but I also heard laughing at like 3.30 in the morning outside of our tents in the woods, just like a, (laughs) like a giggling. (sighs) That wasn't Maddie? Little girl little girl giggling. And then when, so in the morning Noah. when she shared the, in the morning when she, we were talking, <laughs> when, when we talked about that, I was kind of like, I, I believe I heard that too. So it was pretty crazy. Right. So when we get to that, you stumble upon this children's graveyard. Yeah. Um, I think to the lay
1: person, <clears throat> like obviously Dr. Mayor was emotionally moved and, oh, yeah. and thinking what is going on to you and I, it's like, here we go. Yeah. More like, oh, yeah. you know, and um, so have you learned, did you guys learn anything about that graveyard that we didn't see on the air? Like, so what's the
4: deal with that? It was all little kids. It was all small tombstones. And when I walked onto the uh, graveyard, the grave site, the whole, the whole little cemetery, basically in the middle of the friggin' woods, it was like opening a door to a freezer and walking in at one point and I described this to m- my wife. Uh, <laughs> this is going to sound weird, but it was like I, it was cold. But then at one point, I almost felt like all the kids came rushing at me at once whoa. from from all around. Like it was just like, and I was like, whoa, this is like it went to another level. And that kind of, it was, and I say it, <laughs> I don't they use it, was, but I was like, oh, I'm loving this. Like something yeah. all was time, you know. Right, and, right. It was just. It was just. Um, you could feel the energy. It was. It was. It was incredible. But it also started to make some sense because the dates were like 1910 and 1890 and all the stuff that they seemed to be part of that um, the Snake War and the ransacking Native Americans and the the town. It was a old little mining town that kind of got wiped out. Uh, that's what it seemed like. Or they they were. Um, you know, passed away with some kind of plague or, or what have you. So we didn't know too much. Or
1: could they have been victims of the uh, poisonous material that they were mining? Possibly. Is that possible? Yeah.
4: Possibly. Yeah. Man, and and, and, so, and dude, uh, Dr. Maria was going to. I mean, she started crawling yeah. in that thing. She was going to be. She was gone. going in. She was gone.
1: Holy God! Yeah, a lot of people on Twitter asking about that graveyard too. Um, the children's graveyard, giggling kids. Is it a coincidence? It was
4: wild. The timing of it was very crazy.
1: So, where do you stand, Ronnie? You know, in terms of a season two, what are you? What are your thoughts? A, would you do it? B, do you think it'll happen?
4: Uh, one, I, w- I would definitely do it. I've already talked to my wife about it. Like, if this is a possibility, you know, and she's like, absolutely, you got you have to take it. So that's. I have that sport, then that's that's what I need. But um I'm confident that we're gonna get season two, but until you get that official Correct. You know. You don't know. But I have no idea what, you know, timeline if if they're like, hey, we gotta get going in sixty days or, yeah, or what right. or what have you. So right. that's the unknown. That's kinda I think everyone is kind of on edge. Like we realized that uh the team itself, everyone really clicked. Uh we yeah, worked definitely. really well. So we know that we wanna work together again and go out there and do that. Because we seem to have drawn up a lot of activity. If it is one location that I think we're going to be going, I'm a little nervous. Really? Yeah. Like, because it's uh, hardcore. Yeah. Huh. I think like, I know. I like I not know not is. like outside of the U.S. No, but, I know. I think but I know. I it's I know. yeah.
1: I have an idea of where that might be.
4: <laughs> a lot more. Yeah. I'd be a a, a little, lot more dangers to yeah. deal with that I'm not really yeah. mentally prepared for yet. You will, be. <laughs> but I will.
1: Let's talk a little bit about the Blue Marble. Uh, the little yeah. blue ball. Yeah. Um, I think for people outside this area of interest, that would, be, that would maybe
4: seem fantastical. So, so the marble thing was something that I introduced um, on the expedition that because I had talked to Mike Patterson from uh, Ontario, who's a Bigfoot researcher, that had a lot of interaction and gifting where he would gift, and they started gifting back marbles to him so much so that he claims to have a, a mason jar full of them on his, on his uh, um, fireplace or whatever. So I talked to him for a couple hours one time. This was years ago as I was writing the book, and I interviewed him for Monsterland for the book, and I asked him, how do I get some kind of interaction? How do I get marbles, you know? Right. What do I need to do? He's like, you know, go into the woods, project with your thoughts, like send out your, you know, like the stuff that you kind of go, what, really, mm. you know? And lo and behold, like two days later, I'm cleaning out the front of my yard. Beautiful day. Getting ready to mulch. And I cleared out this spot. End of the driveway. Walked to my uh, garage. Grab a ball of water. And I just, you ever have those moments where you just kind of go, everything's blissful that you're kind of like, oh, I'm grateful, feel blessed, beautiful, this is awesome. And you just just re- in the now for that moment. I walk back and there's a fucking marble sitting on top of the wow on top wow, of the dirt. Wow, wow. And I, and it was not like it got kicked up or I walked over and it rolled off. It was right. just on top. Yeah, and I was like placed. looking around like who did this? You yeah, know? yeah. And I, I remember what it looked like. It was clear and it was like green and yellow and I could see through it. Cause I remember looking up like this and I could see through the marble. Mm. So I ran inside it. I noted the time and I have this in the book and I, and I was like, okay, I'm going to put this behind the, my book on the shelf. Like, so no one can touch it and it's there. And I was like, this is too crazy. I'm not buying this, doing? but I'm writing yeah. this down and went back out. So the next morning, I take, I remember I pull out the book and there's the marble, but now the marble has changed. <laughs> it's now white with red, black, and like a green stripe in it. That I go, all right, who's fucking with me? Right. Because who's, now, no yeah. one knows that this is here. Who right. switched it out? And I was pissed because I didn't take a picture of it the first time. Then to, I could sh- sh- show So I difference. said out loud come on, send me another one so I can take a picture of it because I kind of missed this opportunity. Doesn't my father send me a note a little bit later and say, Hey, can you come over my house and help me move a bureau from upstairs to downstairs? I can't do it myself. Whatever. I'm like, sure. So I show up, um, pull in the garage and he meets me out in the garage and we start, he starts walking in ahead of me, walks up the steps, and he goes, well, watch out. There's a marble right there. And I don't know where that came from. And I looked down and there's a blue marble between the rug and the mm. uh, the frame of where you're walking in. Mm. And I didn't say a word. I right. just grabbed just, it. I put it in my pocket. I was like, oh, shit. This is happening. Right. It's happening. So I wrote that, you know, where that wrote that whole thing down, whatever. And then um, I told Amy about this. And she was kind of like, you know, I joked in the, in the book. Your wife. I, yeah. Yeah. I joked in the book they yeah, you're losing your marbles, you know, like you're thinking you're getting marbles from right. Bigfoot, like this is ridiculous. And the idea is that they are interdimensional, that they're able to do these kind of things. Right. And we had a party shortly, like a couple days after that, people in the backyard, and she said, she, sit, she looks down the ground. She said she specifically looked at a particular spot, looked up. Said something, looked down, and then there was an orange marble sitting there. And she goes, <laughs> right, right. And so to make a long story short, I ran over, grabbed it, and I was like, I called Mike Patterson. I'm like, dude, I got three marbles in the course of like eight days, yeah. seven days, or whatever it was. And he starts laughing, and you know, I was like, see? And I stopped. I I was like, okay, this is starting to freak out. Freak you out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, I introduced this in Expedition Bigfoot as to gift because a lot of researchers do it. And there's some significance. Why a marble, right? Why are we getting a marble? Is there some kind of element to this? Like, it's like this, it's like an orb, right? It's, it doesn't. So I had put one on the apple in the middle of the field on the rock on the show. Yep. On the show. And, uh, we came back at one point and it was gone and the trail cam had no image of it being taken so we're kind of like all right who's did someone delete the photo like what's going on so you know days go by and then one of the crew guys i remember this happening and uh one of the the executive producers said what color was that marble that was on the apple was that blue or green and i said it was blue i said it was absolutely blue he's like okay and I could see that there was something going on. The and then I face. look over and I see the, the guy, the one of the crew looking down and kind of like shaking his head. <laughs> and then people, you know, so mm. we walk over and then he the shows me this is and he's like, I don't know where this came from. This and I, is
1: I, I, I know a little bit about filming in the woods. Yeah. i been doing it for quite some time now. Uh, that guy was taking a leak, wasn't he? When he's he had to be, he <laughs> had to be, he had to be. And, and, and where it was right next to because it was like uh, yeah I was like next to you guys but it was like kind of in the tree line a little bit yes. it was like five
4: paces in yes. the tree line and it's just odd it, yeah and you go okay what the fuck yeah so that kind of just kind of tied in and um we why just, why marbles Ronnie is, is there a theory on that I don't know but I do feel like the one of the reasons I use it in that clearing is because I was hoping with the sunlight mm. it would it would shine it is uh it is reminiscent of a, of a small orb I right. wonder if it's like a little
1: Model of an orb, but it's almost way, like you know? you know everything, and it's something they can manipulate in time and space. Now we hear that in the in the paranormal world, people get coins ghost in the ghost world, if Feathers. you will, correct. And, yeah. correct. So yeah. you have a deal with your loved one; they pass, you say, "Show right. me coins," and the, and you'll see coins everywhere. Yeah. So you're leaving these marbles, and you're attracting Bigfoot, and you could do a gift exchange. By the way, for Matt, when you go back to your dorm at BC, it does not work on coeds, Mm-mm. so don't Duly try.
0: Noted. Thank you.
1: <laughs> Who turned his mic on? I'm <laughs> <laughs> yelling. <Yeah. laughs> That's like, ladies, I got some marbles. Check this out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Ronnie, incredible. Yeah, it was wild. It's incredible stuff. That's cool. And there yeah. was I don't know if you can talk about it, probably not but can we just hmm. tease that like you don't have to tell the story? No, I'm totally willing. Well, <laughs> it, you might not want to. But um I don't know because I don't know if you have permission from the person involved. But wasn't there also some marble play going on off camera? What? Bet- e- with the with the cast? <laughs> Let me rephrase.
2: Yeah. Correct. I mean that so what the
0: kids are calling it these days?
4: Marble play. 100%. And Thank you. And I will have to ask the person involved permission if you can tell the permission story because it sounds crazy. It sounds crazy incredible dude so i'll i'll try to get permission on that one but yeah there was another occurrence where it just kind of happened again and it was the same color
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right so ronnie i'll give you the final say here the final word i was just thinking on the ride here it's kind of amazing like we teased this show for a couple months right expedition bigfoot i mean yeah on the podcast we teased it teased it teased it we've blinked our eyes Isn't it crazy how quickly... it's it's over. Gone. Boom. So your final thoughts on the experience, season one, anything you want uh, fans of Expedition Bigfoot to know, you know, just kind of sum us up here.
4: Uh, It was absolutely incredible. And it was... the, The cool thing about it was, you know, Expedition first, show second. And that's how it was kind of... Meaning. So we were... You know, it wasn't like, okay, we're going to do this now. We're going to, you know, it was like, what would you guys do? Like, do what you do. Like, and so as we were kind of progressing through, they let us kind of do our thing. Like, you know, Russ is like, I'm going over here. I would go here. I would do this. I would do this. So we just kind of started blending with that. And and as things started happening on the paranormal side of things that people are like, oh, give me a break. These are absolutely fucking real mm. things that happened mm. and they happened along the times of as things, it, it seems so crazy like the chron- chronological order of things, but that's how it kind of went yeah. down yeah. and it's, you can't explain it, but things were, were, were crazy when I got there and they got amplified. And I think that we're going to always have that wherever we go. If it's a Bigfoot hotspot, we're going to have the same shit. And that's when I know we're in the good, good area. And I mean, you know, you got two pieces of video evidence, two solid pieces one really solid. One is amazing that I think is thermal. It's not getting the credit it deserves because it is incredible. I think when like, I want to call out actually thinker thunker to, to look at it, uh, who does a lot of different videos because it's something you can literally see these arms swinging the arm and and most importantly, when Russ took that footage and talking to him after and just seeing his, like, man, we, you know, like, yeah. there's nobody else yeah. that would, would do this, that could pull it off.
1: And having a, a world-renowned primatologist say what he said about it, a yes. guy who's skeptical, yeah. nay, a non-believer in Bigfoot, right. say, you got an ape out there or something. It's something primate. The, the, the that's guy, huge.
4: Yeah. And the guy has discovered 18 friggin' species of primate. Right. He's the best guy to do it. And you have Bob Gimlin saying, you got a Bigfoot." You know, this mm. is, mm. this. you got something here. So. Well, I say
1: congratulations to you. Thank you, buddy. I think it's incredible what you did. Uh, if you have any questions for Ronnie that we didn't address, call our hotline. You can leave us a voicemail. Our number is 401-400-0965. That's 401-400-0965. That's oh9 09- ML for Monsterland,
2: if you yes. want to use the numbers. Monsters, you know how much the boys love disembodied voices. <inaudible> so let's hear yours. Man, I
0: took got a shotgun and just scared that little bastard back into the creek.
2: Call 401 400 0965. Ronnie, congratulations again. I Thanks, think it's man.
1: phenomenal. And uh, don't gift any college girls marbles. You know, mm-hmm. ironically, mm-hmm. Carrie, uh, yes, I, know. I, I did some gifting in college. Yeah, <laughs> it was called The Clap. Here you go. All right, let's deep dive into our topic of <laughs> no <comment>. the day. <laughs> Ronnie, remote viewing mm. and ESP are two huge topics in the area of paranormal that we've never really gone into. So let's give the basics before we get into some specific examples of such. Uh, remote viewing, a lot of people confuse remote viewing and ESP. Right. Um, ESP is a technique you would use while
4: remote viewing, I think yeah. is a simple way to say extra, it. Extra sensory perception. Yeah.
1: Right, and remote viewing, RV... Is the practice of seeking impressions about a distant or unseen target purportedly using ESP Mm -hmm. or sensing with the mind. So if I were to tell you, uh, Ronnie, I want to see what the inside of that government installation in Pakistan looks like for intelligence reasons. Ronnie would use his ESP to remote view that facility is how the government tried to use that. It could be as simple as there's an anecdote from my childhood that I share in my new book. Mm -hmm. I've never said that. Congratulations. I just said that. Congratulations. It's it's got, it's a long way away,
4: but I just want to say that is fucking awesome.
1: Well, I wouldn't have done it if you hadn't pumped out three books in the time. I've known you. I
4: was like, God damn, it can be done.
1: Uh, Yeah. I wrote a book and it's, it's in process. Love it. But in the book, I tell this little anecdote about my childhood. My aunt Lynn had uh, her best friend. I won't say the friend's name because I don't know. I didn't get permission to tell the story. But this best friend always had the shine, as I like Mm -hmm. to say. And when she was a little girl, there was a house in her neighborhood that she was forbidden to go into. I think she grew up in the South. There was a house in her neighborhood. And the woman in that home kept a genteel Southern home with tons of figurines. Picture like a... Fancy house with all these figurines everywhere. Mm. Valuable stuff. Some of it probably not so, but a lot of crystal and glass. So it was kind of understood in the neighborhood among the children. You cannot go in so-and-so's house because everything is delicate and everyone knew to stay out of the house. She, the woman, was very strict about no kids running Mm. through here. So they played in the other houses. Well, one day this little girl was talking to her mother and said, Last night I was going through there and I saw this figurine and then I went over here and this figurine and naming specific things in the house hmm. and the mother freaked out and said you were to never go in there young lady you went in that house blah blah and blah. she said mom I never did I never stepped foot in that house I can see it and hmm. I can see it and she was like 8 or 9 the mother then reportedly said oh my god she's got it she's got what my mother had wow so this family had this ability <clears throat> to remote view to see things without being there without yeah. being present. So what we know in in reality from declassified documents is that people who claim to have this gift of ESP, who can remote view, using that extrasensory yeah. perception.
4: So where it started was uh, in World War II. They used what they called the psychic spies, and they actually it was called Project Stargate. They had a bunch of army. Um, guys and intelligence and and what have you that had these certain abilities and they decided to try to test. um, And there's one in particular, Pat Price. The whole concept was that, you know, consciousness is not limited to your mind. If everything is connected, consciousness is connected to everything so that you can actually see with your mind different places. And what they would do is they would take a a manila envelope and they would insert coordinates of Mm. longitude and latitude of a target that they knew um, like a missile silo in Russia perhaps. And they would hand it to the, the guy go into like a meditative state and start focusing and then either start drawing the image of what they were seeing based on those. And they don't know how it really works in the sense of the mechanics of it. Right. Just like gravity. We don't right. know what the, how, right. what the fuck right. gravity is. Mm-hmm. Um, People have seen remote viewing, have seen aliens looking back at them, noticing they're being remote viewed. So it it starts to enter into a whole other realm of of things, which is kind of freaky.
1: Physicists Russell Targ and Harold Putoff, parapsychology researchers at Stanford Research Institute, are generally credited with coining the term remote viewing to distinguish it from the closely related concept of clairvoyance.
4: Guess who Hal's working with now?
1: With uh, Tom
4: DeLong. He's on his board of directors. Of To the Stars Academy.
1: I can see the inside of your house now.
4: <laughs> now So isn't that wild? It's very wild. And now what does that tell you to me? I think of Grant Cameron, what he's saying with all that stuff. And yeah. That he's he's still, I don't know, man.
1: Now I have no doubt that people have this ability. I've had incidents. I had a remote viewing. You called it remote viewing. Yeah. Incident. I know I talked about it on this podcast. Right. It's like episode four or something. My mother, who's passed on, in the dream, I'm down in my basement. I'm in my childhood home basement and she's down there. And she goes, Come with me, come with me, come with me. And she showed me something in the dream. And when I woke up, that that thing that she showed me was going on at like three in the morning while I was sleeping. Right. When I woke up, there were texts. Confirming confirming what she showed me happened put it that way right so I knew and it was the most vivid dream just like the predictive death dream I had right and it wasn't you probably get visited there so like having gone through something like that when people say they can see things and they're yeah. legit I completely believe it because it happened to me but when you have then a government agency or some sort of power who believes that that is the case that people can do this they may then try to use or harness said power to their own end, which sounds maybe like the plot of a film, which it is, Sender. And we're going to talk about that film in a minute. But we know because of declassified documents, Ronnie, that that has actually happened and it's happened here in the United States. Remote viewing was popularized in the 1990s upon the declassification of certain documents related to the Stargate Project, a $20 million research program that had started in 1975 and was sponsored by our friends at the U.S. government in an attempt to determine any potential military application of psychic phenomena. The program was terminated in 1995 after it failed to produce any actionable intelligence or information. So we have Stargate.
4: Bullshit. <laughs> well, tell me, <clears throat> Ronnie, why? Uh, because it works and it's still in operation because you don't give up your tech, you know, your tactics and techniques and things like that. So they'll say, this didn't work, and we're done, And but the, there's a gentleman by the name of Ingo Swan that helped bring this whole thing together. Interesting story. When I had to go fly out to New York for a travel channel just recently, we stayed at the um, Highline Hotel. Yeah. Beautiful, the Highline. Beautiful. Walk up there and yeah. See, yeah. So me, Bryce Johnson and I, who we had on, on the show a few episodes ago from Expedition Bigfoot, we were talking about... Remote viewing, and I looked across and I noticed this, this picture, and I, and I was like, I walked over to it and it said, um, I forget exactly what it was, but it was painting by original painting by Ingo Swan, and I said, Price, dude, we're talking about remote viewing, and there's a painting right across from us of Ingo Swan. He goes, That's crazy, <laughs> that's weird. So then the lady comes over, she goes, Guys, every painting in here is ingo Swans. whoa and we're like really and we looked around and they were all original paintings and she goes the restaurant it's called indigo it's based from his name it's called (laughs) we're like what the what is happening so we were already in this weird place which was just wild that we're actually talking about it and then that realization happened seconds after that so
1: so stargate project um Todd, I know you are reticent too, but a little yeah. bit about MK Ultra. Yeah. Tell our listeners who may not know any monsters out there who may not know about MK
4: Ultra. Okay, so MK Ultra was a uh, a program that was backed by the CIA and basically mind control. The experiments. BIA. We don't right. say CIA on this podcast, Ronnie. Sorry. The BIA. Sorry, so we don't get flagged. So it was <laughs> too late. Um, it was a. Um, <laughs> Bye, Carrie. Bye. Bye, Carrie. Carrie's leaving. She's bored. She ain't got to go. She's bored. Um,
1: <laughs> hold on. I remote view Carrie going to Starbucks <laughs> and it's getting like me a large <laughs> white chocolate mocha. You got it. Uh, if I
0: may offer one predicted dream for yes. part two, February 11th, like 8 or 9 p.m., I'll be there with a pedicab in Boston. Us five, the viewers at home. We're going to be there. Remind Producer
1: Matt's us. taking us to the to this premiere. I'll be there. Yeah. Right. Sweet. Hire like, this kid,
4: David. Hire this kid.
0: Ironically, now we have a free mic. If you'd like to talk, <laughs> we heard him. We heard him. Okay, we got.
4: Uh, let's not create a monster, David. <gasps> monster <laughs> land. Well yeah. So it was mind control, and what they did was a lot of uh, un, un, uh, unknown to some of these people, they were being tested, and they were given large doses of LSD, uh, electrical shock. Um, Basically, have some control over your mind and break, break down your who you are. And um, there were talks about JFK assassination, RFK, Martin Luther King Jr. Were these assassinations programs were, were, were part of this? Yes,
1: like the famous,
4: as depicted in the famous film, uh, the candidate. Correct. Kind of scary stuff when you dive into it. There was actually a hospital up in Canada, and. Uh, I guess this uh, psychologist, his dad was part of the program and was just kind of lost. He was turned into like a zombie. Right. But this guy got together with all the different people that were part of, you know, uh, victims of this and actually did a class action lawsuit. Wow. Against the CIA. Wow. And they were trying to settle it. So they're admitting that they were actually going on. It came out that they were doing these things. So this is another thing that I, I bet you there's some kind of element of it still going on I as mean, well. look, <laughs>
1: there has to be in a way, right. because you wouldn't just, you would tell the public you dropped it, but if you really felt like there was some even chance that some of these things could work, uh, of course you would want to develop them or right. keep track of them. You know, I think also, I'm going to ask Tony Arkin about this, the director, mm. but it's it begs a philosophical question of like, I think we automatically cast it in a dark nefarious light right, because right. of some of the things that came out of something like MKUltra like you yeah. know obviously drugging people who don't know they're being drugged and things like that are
4: horrible and yeah awful. when it, anything becomes weaponized any kind right. of technology or skill that yeah
1: however mm-hmm. however if I may play the government uh, advocate here or or at least ask the question like hey man if people really do have these skills and we could avoid a war yeah because someone could remotely view a missile silo so we don't have to send a drone that can get
4: us in trouble. We, You know, right. that is worth exploring, right? Agreed. I mean, if you are, you know, it, it's tough to kind of shake what they've been doing for a long time, you know, the intelligence services and stuff that you want to stay ahead of the game. And I would probably still do the same, you know, keep them on board. Why, why would you get rid of that? Have, right. Have insight that, right? I mean, it's amazing.
1: And this type of thing has been shown in, in all kinds of, documentaries but also popular culture. And I have yeah. some clips here uh like we you know like you think of Stranger Things 11 mm-hmm. um, that girl and her abilities like that this whole that whole plot basically of Stranger Things kind of the the jumping off point is her ability to use her mind to do incredible things right. and a evil government entity of some kind trying to harness that power yeah. which is amazing when you think about it's just a fictionalized account of what we just talked about that we know actually happened. And to that end, there's a movie that we mentioned, uh, The Men Who Stare at Goats, which yeah, George was Clooney, yep. a book that I read about real efforts to, for the, for the army to harness the mind. Right. And although the film, and we're going to play a clip from it here because I think it's really illustrative of what this program was about – the book, the book was way less tongue in cheek than the film. Yeah, and it was this this writer who who studied this program, who wrote the book. And I, again, I read it years ago, so it's hard to remember details. But I do remember him being just blown away at the techniques that they tried, the things that they tried to do. And there was one general in particular. I don't know if he was general or major or what his rank was, but he was tasked with a lot of this. He literally had a manual. And a playbook by which to create a new army, like a psychic soldier army, where everything is more like peace and love. And in this scene that we're about to play, if you could see it, uh, Jeff Bridges is playing this guy. So he's in a military outfit, like a general, be but he's got like hookah beads yeah, and his hair yeah. tied in a ponytail, yeah. which they let him do in yeah, real life. Yeah. And he has all these murals on the wall, like peace army, man, you know, like <laughs> like a, a loving army or an army that uses different techniques. And they paid a lot of money to try this program. So here's the fictionalized movie, The Men Who Stare at Goats. But this is based in something that actually really happened. And here's the scene. George Clooney plays one of the soldiers they've brought in who they believe has this ability. Jeff Bridges is playing the commanding officer.
2: I am Lieutenant Colonel Bill Django. If you pass this course... You will be a psychic weapon, an angel of death, our enemy's worst nightmare. Until that time, you are nothing, less than nothing. Do you understand? Sir, yes, sir. (laughs) Uh, I'm just kidding about this shit. Uh, Okay. (laughs) What should we do now, huh? Let's dance. Okay. Doing everything you got. That's it. What's your first name, Cassidy?
4: Lynn, sir.
2: You gotta free your feet before you can free your mind, Lynn. Not really much of a dancer,
1: sir. Although done kind of in a funny, fun way, that really happened. Some yeah. version of that <clears throat> actually happened in the army. You see, he had a. I'm glad that I'm glad we watched that scene because in the background on the wall, there's you know there's the all-seeing eye mm-hmm. and there's a pyramid and it says New Earth Army, which is the phrase I was trying to right. describe before. That's what this guy wanted to call it, the yeah. New Earth
4: Army. Well, it's like you can you can actually um, change a room. Right. If you are if you are in a state of like love and bliss and everything, and you're feeling you can really change that, and it's almost what they were trying to do is if you have some of this nefarious and evil, is there a way to take that and channel it and send it to them and kind of change their mind? You know. And the title, "The Men Mm -hmm. Who Stare at Goats," comes from what it eventually devolves into
1: (laughs) is them believing that they could use these soldiers who may have ability, like the George Clooney character, to actually kill goats. Right by, or, you know, Knock presumably dead, anything, uh, presumably another soldier, but through mind mm. bullets, as Tenacious D said, <laughs> uh, make goats drop dead. Yeah. And, and I think... S- split they, the
4: clouds. Oh, you cloud know?
1: breaking. Yeah, yep. that's another thing. They would look up into a cloud, pick a cloud and break it apart with their mind. Now,
4: that is part of what shamans were able to do and how they can m- manipulate nature and do different things. Uh, so it's kind of interesting. A lot of that stuff was adopted because it seems to have some, it it works. And there's a reason why, you know, is that mean that everything is very malleable and manipulate, you know, like you can shift and change things and all that stuff. And
1: It's incredible. And it's incredible. I'm just blown away that that actually happened. Some version of that like literally happened and they spent millions of dollars to have these soldiers in these rooms (laughs) behind glass, staring at goats, trying to make them drop (laughs) dead, drop dead. I mean, it's, it's, and then, uh, like you said, the envelopes are remote viewing weapons uh, facilities overseas and all that. Mm. Um, again, a program that they say no longer exists, but right. who knows, yeah. man. So anyway, interesting little fact about that. Um, well, I'll get into it. we got to get to the interview. But one more clip I want to play, Ronnie. This movie we've mentioned on the podcast before, it's an underrated movie. And I think this scene is a great little example of the burden that someone that might have this gift may carry. Mm. Because you think about it, wouldn't it be cool to be able to predict the future? This movie kind of looks at maybe not, maybe not so cool. And the ramifications of that, it's, I I compare this movie, it's the dead zone. I, I compare it a little bit to like Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven, where Clint Eastwood was taking the gunfighter, the mythos of the gunfighter, and saying, all right, well, let's look at what happens to the gunfighter, after. really yeah, yeah like yeah. after the gunfight not all the sexy stuff Let's yeah. and this movie i think kind of does this with esp and remote viewing where it's like well what toll would this take on a human being if they truly had this gift so here's a scene uh the great christopher walken has the shine he's got esp and he's trying to warn a friend about a horrible vision that he's seen involving the friend's son i gotta talk to you hi
2: johnny What is this? What are you doing? Pretty good stuff, huh? I organized a hockey team for Chris and some of his friends, huh, Chris? We have our first practice this afternoon. You are looking at the coach. Call it off. There's gonna be an accident. Call it off. Call it off?
4: What for? Chris has been looking forward
2: to this all week, huh? He's really coming out of his shell, John. Wait. I gotta talk to you.
1: Now he's chasing them in the house.
4: No, listen to me. Call it off. There's going to be an accident. Call it off. Ridiculous. We always get on that pond until March. What the hell
2: is the matter with you? You want to kill your own son? I'm scared, Dad. For Christ's sake, John. Don't be scared. Just go eat your cookies. Don't you know who I am? Of course I know who you are. You think I'd have you come into my son's life without checking you out? But I hired you for your abilities as a teacher, not as a fortune teller. Now, don't give me any arguments. The ice is going to break.
1: Pretty amazing scene. Uh, I just played that so Ronnie could do his Christopher Walken impression, basically. The ice is going to break. But, I mean, think about that helpless feeling of, like, if you knew. Yeah, and you can't do anything. And some people aren't going to believe you. And then if you're occasionally, if you are wrong, you know, Boyo cried wolf. You know what I mean? Because like, right. let's say you're a little off, or your vision is more of a metaphor, and then you tell people nothing transpires, and then they go, "This guy's full of shit."
0: Well, you can't win, right? You can't win. Like, if if you prevent the horrible thing from happening, it's not. No one eventually sees the horrible thing happening, which is why the ultimate and no, you know, spoiler. Alert if you haven't seen the Dead Zone, but at the end, he's he's trying to stop what will be a version of Hitler in the future, right? Yes, the, the leader. Correct. The, the, was it Martin Sheen? Is Martin? I Sheen think there?
1: he might. Uh, yeah,
0: we can check that, but. um And so he has to decide, should he assassinate this? Which is a
1: philosophical question. Do you kill Hitler if you
2: go back in time? That's the whole thing. Yeah, Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's it. That's it. It's uh, it's a Hobson's choice, yeah.
1: Are you
4: all right?
2: You have a daughter.
4: (laughs) Yes? What is it?
2: She's at home with the housekeeper. Yes? The housekeeper's just waxed the kitchen floor. Yes? Your daughter's running on the wet kitchen floor. And? (laughs) she's leaving footprints yeah the housekeeper's annoyed she has to do that part of the floor over (laughs) it's not too late you can call her and save her well um i have some work to do but i'll call her later okay (laughs) (laughs) the name of the sketch ed
1: glosser trivial psychic which they did on senate live uh Making fun yeah. of that movie, The Dead Zone, Christopher Walken playing the same character, but it, all the shit he sees is
0: trivial. Later in the <laughs> sketch, he says, you're going to get into a car. And the guy says, "It's the car crash? He goes, no, but you're going to leave a coffee in the car. You're going to forget about <laughs> it.
1: <laughs> okay, there's one last part of this I want to delve into before we talk to Tony Arkin, director of the new film Sender, which delves into remote viewing and ESP. This episode brought to us by the film Sender. Tuesday, February 11th, 9 p.m. at the Somerville Theater, if you're local, the world premiere. You can go to bostonsci-fi.com, and I'm going to tell you how you can win tickets to that premiere if you're local here in New England in a second. But one last thing I want to talk about, Ronnie, vis-a-vis ESP or remote viewing. An area which I think is really the most compelling case for it, because let's face it, unless there's a Freedom of Information Act and we really get information about the government, we're not going to know a lot of that shit no, that goes on. no. But what is very compelling is if you talk to certain law enforcement personnel and how people with this ability have helped them find bodies Mm -hmm. and find missing persons. There are cops that will continually use the same psychic (laughs) in incidents and actually be guided to oftentimes,
4: not, not always, but sometimes they're right on. I have an interesting story involving a cop from Monsterland, and that not even psychics, but even police officers had some strange stuff. Uh, a girl went missing; um, they suspected kind of foul play or something. And then two—this is back in the in the 80s, I believe—two uh, boys admitted that they were partying with her, and she OD'd out in Monsterland and that they buried her body. And uh, so they were trying to recover the body and try to find her. Right. Um, and this detective um, was looking around, no no luck whatsoever, and closed his eyes um, and said, you know, please, if you can help us. you like talking to the girl. The girl. The deceased girl. Help us find you. You know, we, we've been searching, searching, searching. Opened his eyes and looked down and there was a femur bone at his feet. No, no. Yeah. Really? Yep. And And that led to this, that led to finding the rest of the body. But that was like, who put it there? Who, you you know, like, like, what do you do with that? So that was an, an, you know, just an an amazing, incredible story, but involving intent and talking. And then all of a sudden something is appearing from nowhere. I've seen footage
1: of, of interviews with, this homicide detective, and he's like, I don't believe any any of this woo woo shit, but all I know is that there was a couple of times we went to this one lady who we don't say her name because she doesn't do it for money. She's not a clairvoyant who charges a 1 100 mm-hmm. number or something. He said, but We've gone yeah. to her a couple of times and we've not known where the body is. She knows exactly where it was. Wow. And she wasn't a suspect. <laughs> you know what I mean? So right. she doesn't know because yeah. she killed her, right? Obviously, or killed them. I don't know what you do with that. Like, I don't know what a pen and teller does with that. You know, like, oh, it's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. Yeah. It's like,
4: well, some of it, might not be bullshit, yeah. bro. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's proven Why am I over. yelling at Penn & Taylor? I don't
1: know. I'm like fighting Penn.
4: Come, Come on, bro. <laughs> let's do
1: it. What's up, bro? <laughs> <laughs> I am known for my hip-hop cred. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get to filmmaker Tony Arkin. The movie is called Sender. On a remote island, a doctor stumbles upon a lone, troubled, injured woman. She tells her story. It's full of sadness, danger, and shady company. As she heals, psychic abilities manifest, sometimes terrifyingly so. The world premiere of Sender, with a little part by your own Matty Blake in it. Tuesday, February 8th, 9 p.m., Somerville Theater. Awesome. Tony Arkin, welcome to Monsterland.
3: Let's do some Monsterland. Is All this right. like, are there, is this in your, are you in your closet or? No, we're like,
1: <laughs> I'm in the actual studio with the whole team. Uh, Ronnie's here. Say ahead of Ronnie. And
3: what's up Dave. Tony? Hey Ronnie. What's up?
4: Not much, man. Thanks for coming on.
3: Hey, man, it's really great to here. I'm a big fan. I listen to uh, every darn episode. Excellent. So there you
1: go. Well, you're on tonight because the theme of the episode is remote viewing and ESP and that type of thing. And, you have a new film coming out, Tony. Tell me about how you came up with the subject of this film.
3: Uh, yeah, well, the film is um, it, it relates to uh, to remote viewing and to uh, to I guess what you'd call maybe um, psychic spying or or uh, or um, MK Ultra stuff. You know, I uh, I don't want to give too much away because it's a really complicated plot and it's kind of a sci-fi thriller uh and um there's a lot of elements that I don't want to give away yet but uh how we arrived at it um was uh, was kind of interesting I mean uh I was uh, trying to develop something with my my friend and producer Michael S. King you know and um this was back in like you know 2015 and we were trying to come up with something to write and we had some places that we could shoot, and we knew a lot of actors that we wanted to work with, but we didn't really have an idea yet. We were just kind of spitballing. And I had been interested in paranormal stuff and um, and uh, remote viewing actually for a little while. I just kind of out of curiosity, I'd done some reading and not really being a researcher, but more to like look for inspiration for mm. writing because I like genre stuff. And I'm a big fan of sci-fi movies and. Um, so I got into the, that kind of that wormhole and, um, and I always thought that there would be a really interesting kind of serious-minded movie about it. I mean, not, not, not that this is a, a drama, really, but there's a lot of drama in it, we're taking this stuff seriously. And when you read about it, you learn that it's actually, you know, it's kind of, a lot of it's verifiably true, mm. or at least the organizations that ran these things were true. And I brought this up to Michael, and he was the only person I had ever met who um, who also knew about it and knew some of the key players. And um, so right away, we knew we had something that both both interested us, and, and um, it really just kind of developed from there. We were fans of the same kind of movies, and um, we always wanted to kind of do something that was touched on um, kind of Cronenberg, and uh, if you know his stuff, and... Um, uh, Manchurian Candidate was a big favorite mm-hmm. of ours, along with some other films. And it just kind of like, you know, he had some ideas, I had some ideas, we, I had some characters, that I didn't know how they fit into this world. But talking to him, everything just kind of clicked into place really fast. And um, yeah, that was it. It was actually easier than we thought. Um, Michael ended up doing probably more research than I did, um, more, more of a deep dive. I did some. I'm no expert on this stuff, but uh, the stories that I have read and the books I have read have been pretty chilling.
1: Like what? Give me an example of what you learned in this journey about what the government did vis-a-vis you know, right? Remote viewing.
3: Well, uh, you know, I mean, it's it, it, again, it's you, you have to really try to be serious about the articles that you're reading or, or vet them in some way and. Again, I was I was looking at this material primarily as a launch pad to create a fantasy. I, I didn't really have an interest in, in making this perfectly technically accurate. That wasn't right. my mind. I just wanted ideas. Um, so we were reading articles and books about Russell Targ and Harold putoff I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who, uh, you know, you probably have maybe done, uh, maybe done the show about these guys or mentioned them. It might have mentioned uh, them.
4: You, yeah, um, yeah. it's something I've definitely been into just diving into the CIA, and, and that seems to be a part Stop of everything. Stop saying CIA oh, sorry, yeah. on the podcast. I'm trying to get more keywords. <laughs> <laughs> so,
3: uh, Well, yeah, you know, I, I, I read that. There <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> uh, great. I read. I read about Russell Targ and, and Harold. Is it pronounced Putoff? Put off? I don't know. Put off. Yeah. And um, I was interested, you know, in the in MK Ultra stuff as well, and and all these things kind of ended up referencing each other as you do the research. it, it, it seems like kind of uh, a lot of the same people doing a lot of the same kind of stuff. Yeah. Then um, you know, we came upon the case of uh, you know who Pat Rice is. Did you ever hear about that case?
4: Pat Price, um, Yeah
3: you know, a remote viewer and a very mysterious. Uh, yeah, part of yeah.
4: Stargate project, I believe.
3: Um, I, uh, you'd, you'd know that more than me, but uh, <laughs> he didn't come to a very good end there. And, um, so that led to reading about Sidney Gottlieb and, and more of the, you know, the actual report. You know, I mean, there's so many of these things that you read that you're like, well, this can't possibly be true. Right. It's got to be hearsay. And then you read these things from, you know, the Chicago Tribune or huh. you go back to the 70s and you hear them re- like the actual people referencing these programs, uh, you know, to have Stanfield Turner basically say, you know, yeah, we were doing all this really, really creepy stuff, but we don't do it anymore.
4: <laughs> yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Code is we're still like, doing like, it. Yeah. <laughs> doing
3: really creepy stuff. <laughs> Right. So, you know, they, they kind of talked to it and admitted it and it's it's public information. It's not like you have to dig that deep. Right. But um, you know, uh, what I found was what was really weird was that as we were using this kind of basis for this fantasy movie, essentially a sci fi adventure thriller, you know, we can't we just kind of like started coming up with stuff that we thought would be cool and wrote it into the movie about mm-hmm. how maybe The stuff, how they do it in the movie, Hmm. and it got kind of creepy because we were doing research in tandem with writing it, and um, we wrote all this stuff, and then we started reading uh, some articles that pointed to maybe we were we actually inadvertently
4: spot (laughs) on. Oh my god! (laughs) They actually
3: did Jesus uh, in terms of how they you know how they might uh, control people uh, or how or the methods they'd use in to do that it was a little spooky you know and um and again like we, i'm i'm a movie person and you know that was our motivation it's not like we we started off trying to write the definitive movie about this as a you know as an authentic scientific thing because it's a it's a it's kind of a horror movie so but it turned out to be maybe closer to truth than we knew i don't i don't know
4: did you believe in uh, remote viewing uh, when you started the project? Were you, uh, or more fascinated with the subject, and, and did you kind of, after doing it, realize that man, this is the real deal?
3: Um, well, actually, I I was reading about this off and on for twenty years, so this was way before I started mm. the project. And I, and if you read the if you read the kind of articles that we're talking about, uh, it's hard to say that it's a question of belief uh, as much as it's a question of. My my point is that there's there was a certain amount of at, what they call probably like you know actionable intelligence that they mm. got from this program, right? Uh, that kept it running that long. They're not gonna. It wasn't in a terribly expensive program to run, as far as I read, but um, still they had they were getting something out of it to to run it for as long as they did, and apparently it changed. It went to different departments over the 20 years that it was here or 30 years they were doing it. Um, so, I mean, that, that, that they were doing this stuff, we're trying to do it and getting enough positive, um, you know, outcome from these remote viewing experiments is, not to my mind that a question of belief or not. It's mm. um, a good point. So I, I don't know. I, I, in a way, to be totally honest, because I, I, you know, I did, I wasn't planning to do something this this specifically about remote viewing. And it's actually not even mentioned as such in the movie, to be totally honest. Cool. Um, but as I wrote it, I, in a way I got less interested because it kind of freaks me out a little bit, you yeah. know, like... Yeah, I,
4: you think your mind is safe, right? Like that your thoughts, you no one can so. get in there, right? But people can... <laughs>
3: You'd hope so. And then there's other layers to it uh, where it may be not just regarding uh, thoughts or, you know, um, being able to read what's going on, but Mm -hmm. maybe do other things.
1: Tony, we only have about an hour and a half left with you. So just talk a little (laughs) bit about my performance
3: in the film. I'm here, let me, I just gotta grab, uh, grab yeah. something out of the fridge, and I'll be right back. <laughs> a quick
1: commercial
4: uh, break and we'll be right back.
1: Just give like a quick hour about how I'm so incredible in the film. Um, Alright, so I know I have an advantage of of who you're kind of, as a filmmaker and as a thinker, you know, who your guys are. And I know that they all, right. they all have like, messages. the wrong word, but a theme to their films. Like, without giving the away, obviously the plot, but like, is there a message that you wanted to convey and send her a, when it re, as it relates to remote viewing and mind control all that what, what was the message? I mean, I, I would assume it's not like this is awesome. Let's all do more of this government.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think you could safely say it's a negative portrayal of, of the, <laughs> of, of that uh, lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you think there could be benefits?
1: Like, do you think it's worth exploring at all? It,
3: well, I, I suppose, I don't know. That's a hard question. I mean, I, I think the problem is that it, it, it's used in existence at all and, and how easily it could be used for really nefarious things. I mean, it's not you, your immediate. I think your immediate thoughts about it are how they could use it negatively rather than positive.
1: Yeah, no, it does. Like you said, you guys just planning a fantasy about it actually hit on onto- the things that people actually did, which goes to show that the imagination, it, it could go as far as the imagination could go, and if those people happen to have nefarious yeah. leanings, then that could be a disaster. But Ronnie just said while you were talking, I don't know if you heard of him, he, he said, uh, I think this type of thing stopped World War III. What's that all about, Ronald?
4: I mean, I think that there's, huh. there's stuff that has happened that we just don't know about, and there's things that they're not going to reveal if it works, right? So they're going to tell For you sure. that this project is now, you know, done or what have you, but it seems to have some effectiveness that they would continue to use it and maybe something crazy like the Cuban Missile Crisis when they said they got, I don't know, maybe Mm. they're getting some extra stuff from this because some of the things they experimented with uh, with the Stargate project was um, looking into Russia and looking at finding um, hidden missiles and things like that, but then also looking up on on the moon. I think Ingo Swan had an alien looking back at him or if it was oh, another planet. It was just insane stuff.
3: Yeah. Well, yeah, that remote viewing stuff does get wild because if you read like the personal writings of the guys that did it, it outside of the military stuff, which they can't really talk about, right. there's all these amazingly strange alternate dimensional encounters and weird out-of-body experiences. It relates to a lot of stuff that I also think is interesting and, and probably does have a lot of positive uh, qualities. But it seems like the entire thing from the ground up as it started here was based on, you know, trying to create super soldiers and uh, and do nefarious things. It didn't seem to me. I mean, their methods immediately. And this is on the record. This is, you know, stuff you can read about was about, you know, and starting with MKUltra, kidnapping people and, and abusing people that, you know, had no recourse. Scary as hell. Um, And they disavow it now and they say they don't do that stuff anymore. I'm not going to say whether I believe them or not. I I don't know.
1: I guess like a lot of things in life, it comes from, you know, it starts, it comes from a gift that someone has, which is a good thing. And then it's like, how do we keep the evil at bay from exploiting that gift? It's kind of like Stranger Things. That's kind of one of the themes of Stranger Things. You've got this girl who's got this gift and these evil doctors come and fuck it
4: up. <laughs> right.
3: Right. Yeah. I mean, he's talking about like what the, what the basis of it for was in the film. Uh, I, in a way, like my, my, my interest in it was more about these characters right. who would do these things, you know? Right. Um, I was interested in kind of in, a, in, in looking at a, a group of people that lit, that did these things to other people. And so there's a lot of bad guys in the movie, actually, there, there are people to root for, but they're, are, it's mostly you know uh, not a really great group of, of folks and um, what they what they're up to, it was so immediately uh, um, used for selfish means uh, uh, that it's hard for me to really say whether this is all positive or not. I don't know and I don't know if it could be turned around to something positive at this point uh, mm. or not. You, you still you think they're still running programs like this? Uh, Ronnie, you think that's still, uh, I, I do. Still concern?
4: Yeah, I really do. I, I, I think they are ongoing right now.
3: Well, if we believe that
4: there's a connection, Tony, between like we've, well, we, no, again, this isn't a belief thing. It's a fact.
1: We know that the government fed filmmakers information about UFOs. Now, whether that information was real or they were just part of a, a yeah. trick to tr- trick the public. We well, know let, that the government gave filmmakers information about UFOs. So, if shows okay. like yeah. like the aforementioned Stranger Things and things like that are showing these things, they're very prevalent right now. It well, like senders is, is coming out.
4: Everything's uh, you, you, portals, dimensions. Right. You wonder all,
1: if some of this is being fed, too. Like, hey, in case we get the cover blown here, this is how it goes. Yeah. So show the yeah. world so they're not so shocked.
3: Yeah, uh, I guess. But then again, isn't it always just sound so crazy that that's the way that's the easiest thing to hide behind at any given point. Yeah. That the stories just sound so nuts that, that even if it's revealed as true, they can always be like, well, that that's a crazy report. Somebody was making that up. And, and, right. you know, we're living in a time where it's more and more difficult to that material that you're seeing and read. Uh, but, um, uh, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised either, but I think one and one of the things our film kind of delves into, uh, which I guess is, again, one of our just flights of fancy that may may have some truth in it is is how what the next stage of that uh, program might look.
4: like. Mm, yeah. Interesting. Mm. So Interesting. We all know
3: how it ran in the 70s. And right. We all know what they kinda did then. But what's well, next? If it didn't disappear. How, how would that have developed along with other forms of technology? Oh, yeah, I yeah, love it. 50 years I left
4: left
1: ahead. Man, yeah. Well, it's an interesting philosophical debate, too, because that we've stumbled upon. Like, if your job is to, I know if my job, if I was in another life somehow thrust into one of these jobs, like, hey, you got to keep people safe using, you got to keep this country safe. I found out a guy has a gift to see sure. other places. I would try to use that guy. I would. You know, I wouldn't torture him.
3: Right. But sure. it's interesting. Yeah, it makes sense it makes sense. It really does. I mean, it, uh, it's, you know, in that regard, it may be just a neutral thing. Like, and, and, and what I'm told in any way, or what I, I wasn't told, what I'm, what I read anyway, was that we got this intel from the Russians after the war. So this was stuff the Russians were doing first and the Germans and maybe the Japanese. I mean, I know I've read as well, that the MK ultra stuff was coming directly from camps in, in, uh, in during World War two and experiments that were going on there yeah. again I don't know I, I and I really really badly don't want to you know get on the show sounding like I'm some kind of an expert on this and that's not the case but again it, it's it's a hell of a wormhole like yeah. you really do find it connects to so many of the things you talk about on the show for instance it really does and it's um you know what what if that is, is, is true or not? It's hard to say, but that, that enough of it's verified to be concerning for sure.
1: It's the perfect movie for us to talk about. You're the perfect guy. Given this episode, Tony Arkin director, the film is sender go to www.bostonsci-fi.com. If you are all in the area and you are interested in the subject, even if you're not, it's just a great, great sci-fi movie. Tony Arkin is a director with a vision. Um, again. Tuesday, February 11th at 9pm. Tony Arkin, thank you so much for coming back into Monsterland, my brother. Thank
3: you, Tony. Absolutely, my pleasure. Thank you, guys.
1: You can get tickets to this world premiere if you're in the New England area. All you got to do is go to our Twitter, our Monsterland Twitter, at Monsterland Pod, and we are going to ask you a trivia question. Ooh. The first person that we see who answers it correctly that wants to go and can go wins a pair of passes to the ah, Boston Sci-Fi Festival. I love it. We will do a QA and a after the film also. Cool. Tony Arkin will be there. I'll be there because I'm the only local actor in the right. film. Um, awesome. So I'll, I'll, you know, whatever people want to ask, we will, we will answer. Incredible. So there you go. Pretty cool, huh? Very cool. So just check nice our Twitter. And speaking of our Twitter, we want to thank you guys all. The mail has been just really ramping yes, up, yes, right? We, we, up. We, get, <clears throat> we get reactions to everything now. We're not pulling blood from a stone. We've got more than we can address. <laughs> um, but I just wanted to do a quick little monster mail here, Ronnie. Some, sure. of, our, some of our stuff that needs to be
2: addressed. Now it's time for monster mail.
1: Uh, Pat says, Maddie, you did it again. You, you teased the shit out of something. You didn't play it.
0: <laughs>
4: i Ron, get distracted Ronnie's
0: ectoplasm <laughs> no that's next week <laughs> oh okay. Ronnie's ectoplasm.
4: yes we will definitely there's pictures 100 yeah you got pictures of ectoplasm
1: yep uh i never played the travel channel show paranormal caught on camera uh the sound that disturbed yoko so much go back and Ooh, listen last week yeah. i won't set it up again but this disturbed my wife to the point where she said get this out Can of my you house put it on social i'll play it right now Oh, here it is. This is a disembodied voice heard in a Colombian neighborhood. The cops then found a mysterious gown of some kind. They burnt it. They believe it was like called the Wailing Woman or something. Mm. And funny, Yoko just said to me, Shut it off. Shut it off. And I said, Out of all the stuff we've seen on that show, she said, That's the real deal. Whoa. I don't I don't think we should be playing it. I don't she didn't want me to play on this podcast. Whoa. She thinks it's a real thing, like a hey. demonic thing. So here we go. Enjoy everyone. I'm about to release a demon on you. <laughs> Paranormal caught on camera. Ah, ah, ah! Blood curdling screams terrorize a Colombian town.
0: Ah!
1: The screen is. So that's it. That is it. Uh I'm not gonna play it again. So much, Ronnie. a uh, lot of reaction. Congratulating you on the final episode of Expedition Bigfoot, at least season one. Thank you, everybody. Um Paranormal Parrot. Was watching it. Says not disappointed. Fearful for Dr. Mayer and Ronnie right now. They're starting to smell something. Uh, I hope they get out quick because of that poisonous yeah. uh, material, whatever that was. Randall, oh man, I'm feeling it. I'm I'm buffed and ready for this adventure. God bless and be nice to those fine folks. LOL. My crystal ball for the future has Maya dug in like an Alabama tick, living with and studying those wood boogers, <laughs> finally Whoa. down in Virginia. Wood booger.
4: Another name for
1: booger. Oh, yeah, we should explain that. It's another episode. Um, hey guys, did you <laughs> see this? An interesting article. This was MysteriousUniverse.org, Micah Hanks yeah. uh, about the Tic Tac UFO. And he made a very interesting observation sent to us by a listener to this article, and he said something that's been kind of glossed over is we're so baffled by that video. Yeah. Basically, what he's saying is here. This vehicle not only did these unbelievable things, but it was where they targeted ahead of time. It's called the cap point. So basically, mm. the government saying, all right, let's get the camera, or let's get the radar to this point up ahead. And it well, was already and there. And it was already
4: there. And as... See, time, man. And to they quote can... the
1: article, this means one of two possibilities that in addition to highly advanced maneuverability, the Tac also had the ability to decode the highly encrypted communication systems employed by the strike group at that time, or that the operators of whatever that thing was, the UAP, may have somehow had foreknowledge or other means of access to that information. So it's like, we think it might be here. Let's train our radar there. And then the thing sitting there yeah. before they get there yeah. waiting for them, which I, is fucking horrifying. I
4: believe that the UFOs, the aliens, whatever you want to call it, they can manipulate time so they can see things. They can, well, that's that what would, it seems to be.
1: That piece of evidence from that article would indicate that you're right, Ronnie.
4: It's yeah. a possibility. Yeah. Uh,
1: let's wrap things up. You got to go. But one last thing I really wanted to get to, we have to talk about Bigfoot Gate. Mm. Um, this was the picture in Washington State that yeah, went viral, went
4: crazy,
1: and we couldn't end this episode without addressing it. So, if you missed it, just go to our socials at Monsterland Pod. We put it everywhere. What happened was a Department of Transportation camera caught the image of what looks like possibly a Bigfoot walking in front of a tree. It was very far away, and what made it so compelling was that it came from, in my opinion, what made it so viral. Part of what made it viral was that it didn't come from a dude. It came from a Department of Transportation, a government agency in a way, yeah, or at least a town city agency, saying, look at this thing we found. And it looked very Mm -hmm. like a Bigfoot walking.
4: Right. What do we know about this now? So there's been several photos of the same location, the same thing, and it hasn't moved. So people believe it's just a wood cutout. There is a video that was attached showing something walking across, which was very interesting. Um, But there was also, I think it was Montana or... Uh, I can't remember, maybe a year or two ago, if you remember, another... Wildlife uh government employee. They had the the camera, and they showed. They thought there was multiple Bigfoots in the image. Do you remember that? Yes, like, a video? yes, yes. So it's just funny how this yes. came up again. And thank you because it was perfect timing for the uh, season finale. It was, <laughs> everyone was talking Bigfoot, bigfoot and pictures insane. of Bigfoot on a camera. Yeah.
1: Uh, our our super fan Aaron says this looks like a falcon. <laughs> looks like a <laughs> yep. human
4: in a snowsuit.
1: Arms <laughs> yep. are average length as well. My opinion. What do you think? Factor falcon. Well, I think it's Ben Falcon. <sharp inhale> falcon. Yeah. Uh, because someone did actually post a picture of it when there's no snow right. and that Sasquatch little statue is there. Um, my point, what I thought was a good one, I, I put it on Bryce's Twitter, yeah. was, let's see scale of the tree. Mm-hmm. In other words, if mm-hmm. this tree is 80 feet tall and that thing is that thing could be a 9-footer, let's know that first before we Very all... true. Can. But anyway, that one tended to be busted, so um, it's good to know when it's busted too, yeah. right? Yeah. It's just as important. For sure. So we don't all freak out. And But it was amazing. That thing caught fire. Oh, man. it was crazy. All right, uh, get us your mail. Please contact us. Keep it coming, Monsters. We love hearing from you. Again, the hotline, 401-400-0965. Socials. We're at at Lam Lam Pod. Pod. Yep, We're on a Dory, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. like to thank Sender, the film. Again, Tuesday, yes. February 11th, 9 p.m. The Great Tony, Tony Arkin. Arkin. Somerville Theater. Go to fi.com for more information on that. Awesome. also like to thank our friends at Dell's Coffee. Yeah. Dell's Coffee, specialty coffee from around the world. Dell uses the finest, freshest beans from quality coffee farms, Ronnie. Crafted with care, fresh and local. Dell's Coffee, they know it's all about the bean. If you'd like to advertise on Monsterland,
0: David, tell them how they do. Just go to pod617.com. All kinds of buttons and ways to get in touch with us. Let's talk.
1: (laughs) For Ronnie LeBlanc, producer Dave, and the Alan Parsons Project. (laughs) This is... Monsterland reminding you, friends, to stay monstrous.
2: (laughs) No, Derek!
1: (laughs) You are very jacked. I'm known for my hip-hop cred.